Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. This is season six, episode three. I'm your host, Joanna Fleur, and today we are talking to the delightful Danielle Koch. Danielle Koch is bringing us the next episode in this Fruit of the Spirit series, and we're talking to her about joy. You may know Danielle Koch by her handle on Instagram, and if uh, you don't know her as Oh Happy Danny, you may uh, also have just seen her work because it's been shared around. She's an illustrator, she has a huge following on social media, and she's also using uh, illustration and cartoon and playfulness and delight to bring us really hard topics. And so we're going to be talking to her today around huge topics like justice and racism, but also through the lens of how we bring joy, delight, and laughter to people. And so I'm looking forward to the conversation with her on this fruit of the spirit joy. Thanks so much to Compassion Canada and to new sponsor for this series of episodes, Waybase, for making this season possible. I want to tell you more about them. You're going to hear more about them in the episode, but the links are down in the show notes. If you want to check them out, waybase.com, compassion.ca, we'd love for you to check them out. So Danielle Koch on how to bring joy and lightheartedness in this uh, really heavy and important conversation of justice issues. We need to be having these conversations, but sometimes it can feel real heavy to the point where we want to turn it off. We need a break. It's too much. But we've seen this quick rise of notoriety on the internet with Danielle Koch's ability to grapple with these hard issues, but in a more joyful, colorful kind of way. We're going to talk about how she deals with rising to internet notoriety really quickly. We're going to talk about how she grapples with critics, why art matters now more than ever, and a few other things. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Danielle Cook. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 6. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Uh, Danny Coke, I'm so glad to have you on Word Made Digital today. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat. I uh, would love for you to introduce yourself to people because um, for some people, they're already following you on social. They're seeing, and maybe they're seeing your work without even knowing they've seen your work. Mm -hmm. Um, But for other people, you're brand new to them. So share a little bit about who you are and what the work is that you do. Yeah. So my name is Danielle Koch. You can call me Danny, of course. And I am an illustrator and activist from Atlanta, Georgia. And so I like to say that I aim to use art to help good people become better neighbors. And so for a season that has been anti-racism focused and doing a lot of artwork in an illustrated infographic kind of way that seeks to take these complex ideas and make them more digestible and easier to understand for the everyday person that may not always be knee deep in justice work. And so that's kind of what I've been doing for the past year. And it's been so fun to even see the artwork make it onto merch and onto products and um, really experimenting with how can we take this art and put it in the hearts and homes of as many people as possible to have these tough conversations and be equipped for them. So that's kind of what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. And I, I want to dive in today into the conversation around how you use color and joy and almost like whimsy, if I could use that word, you yeah. use 
hopeful ways to talk about really hard topics, but okay. There was this thing that happened on your Instagram. Um, I think it was early in 2020 where you got about like 300,000 followers, like all these people showed up all at once. Can you tell us what that was? Um, how that kind of kicked off for you? Yeah, sure. So in January of 2020, I had, um, started using artwork for justice purposes around Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That was the first day where I posted an illustration related to justice because I wanted to point people's attention to the fact that MLK's legacy, I feel, has been uh, watered down over time. I feel as though he was a radical disruptor, but people were wanting to paint him as a passive peacemaker to make themselves more comfortable. And so my artwork kind of spoke to that, and it was the very first piece that was shared by people I didn't know. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that it was like, it's not just your mom and your best friend. (laughs) Yeah. I had like 700 followers at the time and it was literally my mom, my best friend. (laughs) Yeah. So like after that, I decided to spend black history month in February doing more of that artwork. I figured if it's resonating with people, why don't I see if they would be more inclined to engage in these harder conversations related to racial reconciliation, if it was pretty or aesthetically Mm. pleasing. So I guess it was like an experiment, I wonder. And it proved to be true. By the end of February, I had spent time talking about uh, why it's important to see color and why microaggressions are harmful and different topics like that related to racial justice. And at the end of February, I had about 10,000 followers, just about. And I was so surprised, I just didn't expect it. And so once summer of 2020 went down and Black Lives Matter once again, took center stage, and we were all having these conversations about Ahmaud Arbery, yeah. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. People began to share the artwork as a means to open the door with their own spheres of influence um, to start conversations that they may not otherwise have felt comfortable enough to engage in. And because I had been talking about that subject matter for months before, all my content was related to that, and so all of my content went viral at one time. And so I, <laughs> wow. that was the one week where I even kept screenshots of the analytics because I couldn't believe it. But that was the one week where like 300,000 <laughs> people showed up. And ever since then, we the, the pace has slowed down, thankfully, but the work has been continuing and it's been really, really fun. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a story of you've been doing, it sounds like you've been doing art and you've been thinking about these issues um, as an artist and as just a human being for a, a long time. And it's really mm-hmm. not until like the last 12 months or so that, or 12 to 18 months that all of a sudden people started showing up on your page to interact. What do you think, what do you think kind of prepared you for that? Or do you think you could even be prepared for like that kind of a response? Maybe you have no, you still don't know what to do. <laughs> what do you do when right. all those people show up? Well, I don't think it's something you can ever be prepared for when they show up out of nowhere. And I think what the story was for a lot of black people specifically during that season is many of us became accidental activists. We did not ever, uh, many of us didn't think that our lives would go in this direction, but there was a need and I was willing to step up and fill it in the way that I particularly felt that God had gifted me in. So it may not have exactly been exactly what I envisioned, but I found it to be such a privilege and an honor to be able to 
be given an audience that is willing to listen and is willing to accept the way I deliver information. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a gift, absolutely a gift. And so there were times at the beginning where, you know, I'd get not so nice messages and threats and huh. things like that. I would definitely wow. have to limit comments on my account and really take precautions to keep myself and my family safe. But after that was all kind of handled, I really started to lean into the beauty of being able to serve this community in this way. And it's really been a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess as someone who this hasn't happened to, I kind of wonder too, like, (laughs) it's almost like, is there a support group for people who get hundreds (laughs) of thousands of followers in a week? Because you're right. You're going to get a lot of hate. You're going to have to learn like how to be private, like how to protect your own privacy and where you live or your personal information. (laughs) Is there like a, is there anyone who could guide you through this or you just had to learn it as you went? Oh yeah. Definitely had to learn it as I went. The beautiful thing about social media though is you can see who else this is happening to. Like I had other, when I first started this, I had other activist illustrator friends who also blew up at the same time. And so we're in each other's DMs like, girl, are you okay? What's your number? (laughs) We're finding (laughs) community amongst each other. But even this year, this month was actually the first time where I found a dedicated community for women of color in the social justice space who are women of faith and have a platform like we have an actual we're in a we're in a cohort together and we're being led by a leader in the justice space justice and faith-based space and um we're finding so much uh comfort and connection and community in that and that's something that i've desperately needed for this past year so i found it but definitely not right away (laughs) now can you tell us who who that is who's leading your cohort I don't know if you can oh my say gosh, the yes. name. Her name is Sandra. She leads this organization called Chasing Justice. You may have heard of okay. her. Uh, well, she's I, also I, served- um, yeah, I'd yeah. love to interview her. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> oh, she's incredible. And she would probably be so down to be, uh, to be interviewed. Like She's been such a support system for so many of us online, but she's also huh. doing the work offline, which is... yeah. Beautiful. Why she's able to support so many of us. Yeah. So, yeah. On the last season of the podcast, we had Brenda Salter McNeil, who is, as uh, you say, that intersection of like faith and justice work around racial reconciliation. And she's talked about how she's really changed her message. She used to kind of soften it for the white palette uh, to try and like build bridges. And now she's like, I have had enough. And she's just coming in tough, hard, honest, um, because mm-hmm. she just feels like when she, for her, from her perspective, you know, coming in, um, the way she used to, I mean, I'm, you'd ha- I'm, I'm, I'm butchering her words. So this is sort of my paraphrase, but basically what she was doing, she felt like for decades of her work as a professor of theology, as a, as an advocate, as a campus ministry worker, all these ways that she was working for justice and racial reconciliation, she felt like she was just being too soft and patient mm. and she was losing her patience and coming in with like a much stronger message. Um, and so anyways, it was a fascinating conversation, uh, all to yeah. say for you, you're coming at this and you're approaching, and this is why when I think about the fruit of the spirit of joy, like this whole season we're doing as a podcast, um, we're made digital, we're talking about fruit of the spirit. Cause don't we all need more of that right now? Uh, cause there's right. all these crazy people on the internet and just like, it's hard to win when everybody's got such divisive opinions, but mm-hmm. uh, you come at this big topic with like color and, and bright, uh, 
ways of approaching it. You come with like pastel and you come with illustration and, and I, I, and you come with like, you talk about loud laughter. I love that where justice and bright, loud laughter, you know, these things sometimes don't feel like they connect, but how do they connect for you? Like, why is that the way you choose to express it? Right. So I love that. (laughs) I live a life full of color. There's a mural in my kitchen that's right behind me. That's like super colorful. Like, yeah, I I know I can tell it's so beautiful. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes. I have always lived life that way. I've always tried to be as positive as possible. I just have this natural excitement for everyday life. I'm an Enneagram seven. If you like the Enneagram at all, which should tell you a lot. So am I, I'm a seven too. (laughs) Oh, yay. So you get it. We just love life and love the people in it. And for me, when I, when I first got passionate about justice work, obviously uh, many years ago, my love for justice actually came after I had my first genuine encounter with the love of God, which I think is so exciting because I grew up in a, um, legalistic religious kind of denomination where I didn't actually know the love of God for myself. And it wasn't until I got to college where I kind of broke away from that and said, God, I want to know you for myself. Like I would love to be fully exposed to the, you know, to who you are in your fullness. And I, for the first time learned about grace and mercy through investigating the scriptures for myself and knowing that I'm fully loved. And then Luke 10, 27 became like the verse of my life. Like you should love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I was like, Oh wow. I feel so energized with this call to true agape, unconditional love. And I just, God just filled me up with it. And then naturally that love for other people came right along with it. And so once I awakened to that and felt so full of that love, I turned around and I'm like, I want to love everyone else this way too. And injustice is getting in the way of that. That does not, that does not sit right with me. (laughs) So I aimed to take that. All of what I do is born out of love and love is a beautiful, bright, lovely, colorful thing. Right. And so in the art that I create, I aim to not only educate, but to inspire and lead people to hope. And I have left behind toxic positivity and exchanged it for conscious optimism. And I like to say, you know, I'm hopeful for the progress and growth that's to come, but I'm mindful of the work that still needs to be done. And so I want my art to reflect that mindfulness and that hope. And it's exciting that that does come through in the work that I create, because that's the ultimate goal to love God and love people and welcome others into this conversation about how we can love each other better. Yeah, I love that. And, and you're doing that through um, things that, that you want to wear on a shirt, things that you want to print on a wall, you know, you want to have the print on the wall because you're making, um, I think about the scripture that talks about like writing the, like writing the scripture on your doorpost or on your arm Mm -hmm. or keeping it with you always. But the way to do that, I think best is, is to express it like in a beautiful and artistic way that you would actually want to have around you all the time. Um, you know, not just like, I mean, I mean, there's, um, 
<laughs> yeah, there's just so many ways, I guess you could express it with like, um, just a very simple, uh, I think of, I think of this, this post I've seen online where how fonts matter so much, where you can say like, I'm watching you with it's like creepy Halloween font, or like, I'm watching you with this like fun loving font and how it makes yeah. such a difference, how you portray the same, the same phrase makes you right. feel different about what you're, what you're approaching. Are you looking for a way to put your own joy into the justice work in front of us? All this need for justice that we see in the world, the need to do something to make the world right. Well, I want you to consider joining with a ton of other Canadians and people around the world who are joining this movement with Compassion, with Compassion Canada, of practical, ongoing compassion through the transforming of lives of kids around the world. Compassion has all kinds of ways that you can do that, and maybe you're familiar with their sponsorship, child sponsorship, but there's all kinds of other ways through practical, ongoing compassion that you can actually do something and you can make a difference no matter what your life looks like right now. So here's an example. Robin is a business owner in Alberta and she gives a portion of her sales from these handcrafted jewelry pieces that she makes, these stunning pieces. She gives a portion of that to ensure that kids in urgent need living in poverty have safe water and sanitation. So if you have a small business, you could consider partnering with Compassion to make your products even more significant and meaningful to those who are buying them. It's an idea that, um, that Robin has used. I also give the example of a guy who raised money through his mullet because he couldn't get a haircut during the pandemic. So, I mean, there's all kinds of creative ways. If you're looking to spread a little good, just like Robin, don't look any further. If you want to bring good and justice and joy into the world, join other Canadians doing some good. Visit compassion.ca slash good for some practical, really life-giving ideas. It's a really great webpage. Go to compassion.ca slash good and check it out. There's all kinds of interactive stuff on there. You can check it out in the link in the show notes. You, you have your Instagram handle as Oh Happy Danny. Um, talk to me about that. Like, is, is that what everybody calls you? Has that, has, is that something you've always had as your handle? Like, why is that your Instagram handle? Yes. So in 2019, I was working a full-time job that I ended up leaving because I wanted to start my own organization. Uh, I wanted to freelance and do marketing and graphic design full time. And so I started a business and I called it So Happy Social because the point of it was to help positive mission-based brands use social media for good, for maximum impact. And mm -hmm. so that is kind of how that happy phrase got attached to my business. And so I only changed my personal handle as a reflection of the business for brand alignment. That's the only reason. <laughs> so, it's hilarious Perfect. to see that it took off um, a whole life of its own because that was truly not my intention. I just wanted to line everything up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, because I mean, it totally suits you. It totally, which makes sense, even just in brand alignment with who you are as a person, that you oh. are <laughs> like a happy, joyful person in the way you present yourself. So like, of course, if you're going to help brands, you're going to be doing that like out of who you really are, like pouring right. out happy things on like <laughs> on the internet. Um, yeah. What, and as an artist, you know, as an illustrator and a creator, what what do you think it is that that illustration can do that just words can't or just talking about issues like maybe can't take us 
there. What what is it about the art itself that you think is doing something in this conversation? So I actually did a mini study about the impact of illustration on the human mind and heart because I was so blown away by the response. And someone actually told me that I should probably, that should probably be my thesis if I ever go back to school. But I believe that when you first come into contact with an illustrated piece of art, you're not automatically thinking about anything hard or difficult. It mm. actually, for the most of us, reminds us of simpler times when we were younger and watched cartoons or it gives us a certain sense of nostalgia. And so the beautiful thing about illustration when using it to condense complex information is that when someone first comes into contact with it, their guards are down because they're not thinking, oh, this is going to be hard. They're thinking, ooh, pretty. <laughs> and it's right. like a way in to their heart or mind for a moment of time. They stop the scroll because it's familiar. And then I believe that using it to express these topics is also a benefit because of the added element of story. I, I gave this example during a talk one time where it's one thing to list five steps on how to be an ally, and it's another thing to illustrate a journey of allyship with stops along the way. Somebody can see themselves in that journey, and they can visualize ways that they can be a part of it instead of being given another list of information that they feel like they can't even approach to begin with because they don't really know anything about it. So yeah. I love the power of story and I love the power of nostalgia and how they both work together to gently bring information to someone. And then I love to go in with the captions and kind of ah, like get them with the hard stuff <laughs> because I got you in the door, you know, don't leave without, without hearing this, you know, <laughs> so that's oh, what I think. So good. And I mean, there are days where you like the news is just really hard. I mean, just last night I was seeing I was following a hashtag about some body cam footage that is in Louisiana that won't be that hasn't been released for a few years and just got released. Yep. And anyways, at the time of yeah. this recording, there's there's again another horrific story, um, another um, attempt to cover up like, to, you know, violence police violence against a black man, all this kind of stuff. But how, how do you stay happy, Danny? Like, how do you stay joyful? Like, how do you want, like when you receive that, like, I don't know, <laughs> how do you paint or illustrate in joyful ways after such like a hard, horrible thing? Maybe do you ever do, right. you, are there days you just don't want to do it? Oh yeah. <laughs> so for a long time, I was just going, going, going. And I realized it was partly a coping mechanism. Like, mm. okay, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered. I need to process through this. Let me draw something. Okay, I've processed through this. Let me share it. That's sometimes. Sometimes I will go days grieved, talking to my family, crying, like just mm. not okay. And at some point at the end of that, I feel as though I've come around to a moment where I can breathe hope into the situation for myself. And if it helps other people, then it does. And so I will share. Yeah. There will also be moments after, like, for example, after the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, where that's where the cycle of inaction was born, but not because I wanted to draw something pretty. Like, that's actually not even a drawing. 
It's literally right. a diagram that I put on a yeah. black background because I was like, y'all need to hear this. Mm-hmm. And I would say that while grief has the power to birth beautiful art, I myself did not want to create out of grief. I was doing it for a while. It was sucking the life out of me and I was burning out. Mm-hmm. I want to create from rest. And I feel as though if I prioritize my self-care, being in community with people and remembering the why behind why I do what I do, I'm a lot more equipped to face the work every day. But I'm also driven, honestly, without the Holy Spirit, I couldn't do any of this. Let's be real. Right. (laughs) I couldn't. Yeah. And so it's the hope that I have in Christ combined with the hope that I have for a future free of this based on what I've seen my ancestors accomplish before me that guides me to find hopeful resolutions in tough times. And so I can be grieved while processing and eventually creating a piece, but also hope is driving me to find not, not a silver lining or positivity, but hope for the future. And I think being able to combine both of those things is hopeful, but yeah, it's not happy. And I I know that a lot of people tend to take happiness and joy and sometimes pit them against each other and say, joy is like the long-term version of happiness. Like happiness is fleeting and futile, and but joy, like that's the real one. And if you search the scriptures, the Bible makes no such distinction between happiness and joy. Both are used throughout the Bible countless times. Joy in itself is used hundreds more times than happiness, but they're both in there. And so because joy is used more often and you search through and and like you said, it's part of the fruit of the spirit. It's a gift from God. What is the purpose of joy? I like to say that joy for me is rooted happiness. Like happiness, there's nothing wrong with it. You may think it's fleeting. I find little moments every single day that make me feel happy. And I feel like that's a, that's a gift from God, but it's that rootedness that leads me to have joy in tough times, because even though a situation may not be happy, my happiness is rooted and that's what brings me joy. And that's what allows me to continue on in the work, knowing that I'm rooted and that there's hope at the end of all of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing you talk about joy or happiness as the work to get to it. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. work to get rooted. I think of the C.S. Lewis quote. It's, it's a one probably a lot of people have heard. Joy is the serious business of heaven. That it's se- the serious business is joy. <laughs> uh, what mm-hmm. do you think? What does that quote connect? Does that quote connect to you and sort of how you're describing this work in your own life? That does make sense. Joy is a serious business of heaven because it's not... I think that joy is part of the gift that God allows us to have to move forward in this work. And so if if that's the way I'm viewing it, then it aligns with what C.S. Lewis is saying, because this stuff is heavy and it's difficult, but it's God breathed and it's eternal and it's necessary. And I feel as though there's a tool belt of things that God has given us in this life to get through these hard times, you could probably even say that the tool belt is full of different tools that are part of the fruit of the spirit. Like one Mm. minute I'm, I'm actually currently studying gentleness as a concept. Ah. (laughs) And, um, it's so funny because 
I love the idea that gentleness is might restrained. You can be, you know, strong-willed and rooted and grounded, but also have a, a level of strength that it takes to restrain those emotions that might try to take over your life and say, no, this is all hard, but I'm going to choose gentleness in this moment. I'm going to choose softness. And that's something that I don't want this work to ever take away from me. I want to remain soft. I want to remain joyful. And when I lean into the eternal aspect of joy, that glorious God-given gift, it makes it a lot more attainable and it allows me to keep moving forward in the work that I do. Have you heard that Wayface is bringing the church together for good? I've had the privilege of working with Wayface over the last number of months and what they're doing as essentially a Christian tech company to aggregate and get data on every single Christian ministry in all of Canada. And in in the future, they hope even to do that in more countries around the world. 30,000 listings from every denomination, every flavor of Christianity, churches and ministries, bringing them together for new opportunities for impact. You can understand your community better at waybase.com. You can see what others are doing in your community. You can see real data on what's going on. And actually, they just did a national survey on COVID-19 and well-being. Over 3,100 leaders, 2,700 churches and ministries responded from every province, every territory, representing 141 Christian denominations and traditions. So they got robust data that nobody else is getting on what's going on in the church in Canada right now in 2021 with all things COVID response, COVID relief, finances, how the health of the leadership is doing, how the health of the church is doing. If you want this information, go to waybase.com and claim your listing, check out the survey, and you can find out more information, waybase.com. Can you can you tell us about this? You've mentioned it a few times. We've mentioned a few different ways, the cycle of inaction, cycle of action, um, maybe can you share a little bit about what that is or where that inspiration came from? Um, and then I want to figure out like where, where do we like, let's figure out where joy shows up in this cycle. <laughs> right, right. So I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can have it as a reference. So the cycle of inaction for me, I mentioned it earlier. It was, it came to mind after the insurrection at the United States Capitol. I feel as though after every horrific moment of injustice, we get riled up for a brief moment and then we get lost and don't know what to do. So we kind of become passive and don't do much of anything at all until it happens again. And so I said, this feels a lot like we're going in circles. And so I sat down and tried to name every moment of frustration that I personally observed throughout this cycle, as I called it. And so I said, okay, a horrific injustice takes place. And then everyone's shocked and confused, even though we know what we're dealing with. (laughs) Systemic injustice should not be surprising, but people get surprised. And so it leads them to get emotional or have an emotional response. And that can range from sadness to like devil's advocacy and all these different things in between and we are a mess online for a while right and then performative allyship creeps in it's like oh I must do something so everyone sees that I'm doing yeah and it's doesn't last because it's not rooted in everyday commitment to the work it's rooted in people must see that I'm doing something and so right you make a post you show up at something uh you interact you know for and then 
it doesn't last for a minute. Yeah. And you it realize like, it go- yeah, it like, this is a long journey and people are here for a day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people feel it and they don't want it to be that way, but that's just how it ends up being for many people. So that causes them to feel guilty and get fatigued. It's like, ah, oh, but I want to do it, but I don't know. And, and then that leads to inaction and passivity, which can result in apathy if it goes unchecked. And so that's basically the cycle of inaction in a nutshell. And so I, I looked at it and I was like, no, 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 this is all wrong. And so I started like crossing through like all the things that I did not appreciate about the cycle and started writing like, I crossed out shock and confusion. I'm like, no, we won't be overtaken by shock and confusion as if the fruit of systemic oppression is surprising because it's not. So instead, our emotional response will be marked by empathy and compassion. And mm-hmm. like, I would go through each step and rewrite yes. it and reframe it in a way to say, how about this is not a cycle of an action, but what if we transform it to a cycle of action? Instead of letting these steps along the way take us out, we can look at them as opportunities to keep moving forward. And that's kind of how that those two cycles were birthed. Yeah, I love that. And I see like in both the illustration, but even how you talk about it, the words you're using and choosing, you know, people have got to go and check this out. We'll link to, we'll link to it in the show notes so people can check it out online. But, but you're talking about in some ways, I think it's hope, joy, like the fruit of the spirit is actually like breaking in the cycle. Um, and -hmm. it's like changing, um, changing the direction. Um, Yeah. So, so where are you seeing like some of the, the bridges in that? Like when you think about it in the real world, are you seeing places where that cycle is being broken? So taking like, is life starting to imitate your art in any places that you feel like you look around you, you see what's going on in your own circles or in your country. Um, Mm -hmm. are you seeing any of this, the cycle of action starting to shift (laughs) shift the conversation. I I do think more people are opening up to the idea that this isn't a one time thing, but Mm -hmm. it's a journey that they need to adjust their lives to. And that gives me hope because at the very end of the cycle of action, I say that apathy is the antithesis of unconditional love. And once again, like that's my heartbeat, right? We, it all comes back down to love that never fails. And so there is an opportunity in there to cultivate a life that not only seeks to embody justice work, but also is coded in love that pours out on everybody else around you. Like the Bible says in Hebrews, like, you know, it's an outpouring of something that's already happening within you. And there's so much joy to be found in that because when you you're not just saying, oh, this is a hard thing that I need to add to my to-do list, but you're saying, this is the kind of life I currently live. These are the things that I'm passionate about. How beautiful is it to bring justice work into those spaces of passion that I already have and find a way to joyfully live out my own calling in the midst of all of it? So I think that gives people a lot of room for opportunity. It's like, oh, well, I'm passionate about baking, but I don't know like all the ins and outs of justice work, but I do know that motherhood mortality is a, is a serious issue in the black community. There's a group that meets every Tuesday in my city to discuss these kinds of issues. I can bake and donate my brownies to that weekly meeting. And that be part (laughs) of my justice work. It can be as simple as that, or it can be you planning things and organizing in your community, anything in between. Whatever your place is in that cycle of action, 
you're called to that. And it's when you realize that it's an opportunity, there's so much joy to be found in it because you're just all you are doing is being yourself. And the justice work is an outflow, an extension of who you already are. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Even you're saying that baking brownies can feel like maybe a, a silly thing, but for the people who are like deeply encouraged by your baking, like be, if you're yes. a baker, bake, if you're a communicator, communicate, if you're an artist, create work. So, well, yes. uh, you know, for people listening who are inspired by you, maybe people who follow you, who, you know, quote unquote, they want to be like you when you grow up, but you're like, this just showed up for me last year. You know, you're still getting a hold of it yourself, but well, you know, what right. would you say to other young artists who are listening, who are, um, wanting to be part of change are tired of, of this cycle. Um, yeah. yeah. What would you say to other people? Yes. Well, I would definitely say something that I say often about how perfection is not a prerequisite to participation. We get so scared of jumping in, especially in the hard things because we don't have the, all the perfect things to say. And I think that Perfection is not a requirement for any of this. Right. The, the best thing for you to do as someone who wants to get involved but doesn't know how is to, as you take time learning about all the different ways that you could possibly be involved, remember what your passions are. What are you already, what do you already care about and what do you already fight for? Uh, what are you good at? What are your skills? What is something that you offer or have to offer? And what's a need that you see in the world that you yourself can help fulfill? And when you put all that together, you'll see like, even like you mentioned, a young artist. You, as a young artist, will see other artwork and compare yourself to it. When I jumped in on Illustrated Infographics, I saw not one other person doing that. Huh. Illustrated Infographics. I saw illustrations all over. And I saw infographics all over. But I didn't see what I was doing specifically. And... I was encouraged to be creative and bring my own thing to the table. But that's not to say that illustrated infographics didn't exist and that there wasn't someone else who was doing it. You know, so let's right. say you jump in, you see other people doing what you do. That should not stop you. Rather, you should find your unique point of whatever makes it relevant for you, whatever yeah. bridges the gap between your good intentions and your good work and run in that direction. I feel like you can never go wrong. Don't compare. Yeah. Just... Do what you're called to do. That's so good. I mean, you talk about, yeah, you're talking about like unique style. Everybody has their story, style, story, but also the sphere of influence that, okay, so right. maybe you, maybe you feel like you're doing what other people do, but you're impacting different people than that person. Like people, you're yes. going to reach different people. Um, so yes, just go do absolutely. it. <laughs> Yeah. You'll yeah. reach people that I probably will never reach. That's yeah. just the nature of it. Yeah. I so love I think that. it's really beautiful. I love that. You, um, I don't know if you have it, uh, on hand, but I, I would love for you, um, to read us if you have good, this good work poem that you wrote in 2020. Um, if you would, would be willing to read some or all of that to us, I just think that would be a really, um, just like a really meaningful piece from you to share and kind of wrap up our podcast. Sure. I would love to read it. Okay. You were created to do good work, work that empowers and inspires, liberates and transforms, restores and softens. Yes, work can be hard as it was meant to be, 
The verb itself calls us into action, rejecting passivity and demanding sustained effort. It provokes, agitates, and disturbs. But this work, the call for justice, is good work. It defends the oppressed and frees the captive. It tears down walls and destroys barriers. It changes things. So when you're feeling weary or hopeless or spent, remind yourself that the darkness is being flooded by marvelous light. Yes, this is work and it is good. Amen. Yes. Joy is <laughs> the serious business of heaven. This good work you're doing um, is so inspiring to, well, thousands and thousands of people who are seeing your work, sharing your work, stopping and thinking about things that maybe they weren't willing to think about before. So um, oh, thank you so much for your work in the world, for being an artist that has enough courage to bring your work to the people. Danielle Koch. Uh, I, by the way, I love your name being Coke when you're from Atlanta, where Coke is from. <laughs> That's just perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a piece of joy for me. Cause I'm a, I'm a, unfortunately a big Coke fan. I drink too much of it, but I'm just so glad to have oh, you yeah. on the podcast today. If you want to send people <laughs> somewhere to see your, your work, want They want to buy pieces from you. Where should we send them today? Sure. Well, you can find me on social media everywhere at Oh Happy Danny. And our website is ohhappydanny.com if you would like to get anything at all. I and would that's love Danny with an I. Danny oh with Happy an I. Danny. Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, people go and support artists who are doing good work, who are doing faithful work. Um, uh, go buy her work. <laughs> Thanks so much, Danny. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Danielle. If you like this episode, share with a friend, post it on social, get the word out, especially if you know any artists and illustrators who would be encouraged by hearing Danielle Koch's story. Thanks, of course, to Compassion and to Waybase for making this episode possible. Check out the links in the show notes and visit their sites. You can find out more about how to get involved with them. Next up on the podcast, next episode, we're talking to John Acuff on the fruit of peace. He's one of the funniest follows I have on social media. He's an author. He's got all kinds of books like Stuff Christians Like, Do Over Start, Quitter. He's got a new book out that we're going to talk about, but really we're looking at how he keeps the peace, maintains the peace in his own mind. We're looking at how he maintains peace on his Instagram feed or how he brings peace to Instagram and maybe even how he brings and cultivates peace more in the world. So see you next week with John Acuff. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur.